This week on the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast, we talk about Us, the penultimate episode of season four of The Walking Dead, written by Nicole Beatty and Seth Hoffman and directed by Greg Nicotero. We'll be right back after this. Welcome to the Sound on Sight Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kolzik, TV editor of Sound on Sight, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, editor-in-chief, Ricky D. Ricky, how's it going? Uh, a little better. A little better than last week, but okay. <laughs> but we had a lot of fun on the podcast last week. You got a lot of great feedback from people. Thank you so much. I'm glad that people enjoyed uh, whether or not they agreed with... They certainly didn't agree with all of us, but whoever you, you all agreed with, people seem to have enjoyed our uh, conversation. So I'm glad to hear that. Well, this week we're going to be hopefully having a little less contentious of a discussion uh, as we discuss episode 15 of season four, Us. And joining us to help us with that conversation is Defiance and Gupta. Defiance, welcome back. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Although I did claim the spot, so it's mine. <laughs> oh, Defiance, of course, is one of our fabulous writers over here at Sound on Sight. And uh, what I'm curious... Uh, for those who have been listening to the Sound of State Walking Dead podcast for a while, they'll already know uh, this. Uh, to get it out of the way, no spoilers from the comic, from the TV show. This is just going to be discussing this episode of the TV show and everything that came prior. Caveat out of the way. So, Depayan, what were your thoughts on the episode last week? Uh, last week or this week? Last week. Oh, Let's last with week. That. Uh, with, with Carol and Lizzie. I, I did enjoy the episode. I enjoyed the character beats. Uh, I, I do get the perspective of people who say that uh, the death came by to a the that maybe there wasn't enough character development, but I still did enjoy it uh, in the sense that for the first time I thought the show was well not not for the first time but much like we saw with Morgan it was showing the effect that the zombie apocalypse would have on what felt like ordinary people who would people who would you know maybe have trouble even in the even in a non-zombie apocalypse environment. So from that perspective, I really did enjoy last week's episode. How does it relate uh, to this week's episode for you? Which one did you enjoy more? And uh, are you excited for the finale now, having seen this penultimate episode? I am somewhat excited for the finale. I did like last week's episode better than this week's episode, but that's not necessarily a knock against this week's episode. Uh, There are some plot controversies this week that just made me roll my eyes, but... Uh, and and I'm I'm completely over Glenn and Maggie, like just completely over that. Uh, but apart from that, I just I generally did enjoy this episode, and I I'm I'm interested to see the finale, uh, and I'm interested to actually see how Terminus shapes up next season as well. Uh, believe it or not. Interesting, uh, Ricky. Where are you at with this episode? Um, first of all, I just want to say I rewatched last week's episode, The Grove, because. As anyone who listens to our podcast knows, I hated the episode. So I wanted to give it a second chance. And I, I had to listen to our podcast while editing it because I scrubbed through it. To, you know, last week's episode was a giant mess. We had lots of technical problems. So I really had to scrub through the whole entire episode. And, you know, listening to us argue was entertaining. But it also made me rethink the episode and I went back to go watch it. That said, I still hate the episode. Right? <laughs> but I, I do. The thing is, this is what I was trying to explain last week because I do understand your point. Like how you... We're discussing how you felt that the episode was really about Carol and Tyrese and how it affected, especially Carol, and you liked the interactions between specifically those two people, and I get it. But for me, it just did not work. And I know I'm not alone. I'm glad I'm not alone because like three critics that I highly respect share the exact same views as me. Zach Candlin from the AB Club, Randy, who's appeared on our show several times as host contributor, uh, read his review, a TV Overmind, fantastic review, Randy, and Sean Coletti, your co-host of the Hannibal podcast, also hated the episode. That said, I went into this episode hoping for, I don't know what I was hoping for, but I was was hoping I would be a little bit more positive coming into the show this week because I said last week that I'm at the point where I think I want to break up with The Walking Dead. I don't think it's a terrible episode. I don't think it's a great episode. 
but it doesn't do much to convince me to come back next year and record a Walking Dead podcast. And see, I, I have a movie podcast and I've been recording the Sound of Sight movie podcast for about five and a half, six years now. And to me, there's a huge difference when watching a movie and critiquing it and reviewing it on, you know, and reviewing a TV show on a weekly basis. Because with a movie, it's like a one-shot deal. It's like you watch the movie. Sometimes you can even re-watch the film, but it's, it's like a movie. You watch it, you review it, and that's it. You know it's like going to last an hour and a half, two hours, you know, whatever. Uh, with a TV show, you come back each and every single week, and you invest your time with the show and with these characters. And I think my major problem with The Walking Dead is I just don't like or care about most of these characters enough. And the characters that I really do like, we're just not seeing enough of those characters. Like, for example, Carl, Michonne, and Rick. So when we get the brief scene of Carl, Michonne, and Rick in this episode, I really liked it. It was a small moment, but it was a pleasant moment. And I really liked watching Michonne and Carl interact. I think they are adorable, okay? And even though it was simple and there was no zombie kills and whatever, I loved it. I'm sorry, but I loved it. I love watching those characters because I like those characters. And my biggest problem with this episode is they take one of my favorite characters, a fan favorite, Daryl, okay? I think everyone can agree that Daryl's, like, probably the most popular character on the show, right? And what do we get from Daryl in this episode? We get him arguing over the carcass of a dead rabbit. I mean, this, I mean, I like this character of Joe. I think he's a good actor. I think he's got a lot more potential than the governor. Um, but apart from his uninspiring words of wisdom, he hasn't had much to do yet. Okay, granted, he's only been introduced like, what, two or three episodes ago? But his band of outlaws, like his group of men, are so stupid, okay? Like, we've seen a lot of dumb henchmen, like these extras, these, these you know, characters that appear, and you know they're going to die within one or two episodes throughout the whole run of this series, but I think these are, like, by far the worst henchmen we've seen yet. They are, like, worse than the governor's men to the point where all they do is claim objects and bicker and argue. And watching characters, especially characters like this, bicker and fight, it doesn't make for gripping television. That's interesting that it, it created such a strong response from you, Ricky, uh, to say that you, that you were upset and that you hated it. Because for me, this... The issue with this episode is that it is mostly just marking time to the finale and to the show going off the air for a while. And uh, yeah, I, I was very positive about last week's episode, as in, you know our listeners will know. Uh, this week, while I did very much enjoy that scene that you single out, Ricky, of uh, Carl and Michonne, and, and again, it goes back to this thing I've been praising the show for recently, where they have actually committed to this idea of showing the characters living and not just surviving. And we've seen that with each of these different groups as they've splintered off after, you know, the everything that went down at the end of the last half season. So I'd like to get another little moment of that here, and I think it works really great. But the rest of this episode really, really feels like marketing time. I, I think that Joe is interesting. Uh, and like you said, I like, I like Jeff Kober, but this is not a particularly compelling or interesting character or group. And I don't think they're supposed to be. This feels like let's again, let's mark time until we get our characters back together at, at terminus or, or along the train tracks or something, because there's zero sense that, uh, that Joe and his group are going to win when they catch up with Rick, as we know, they intend to, uh, you know, this, I, we don't think that Rick or Michonne or Carl are going to, die or get significantly injured by Joe and his crew. We certainly don't think Joe and his crew are going to be sticking around after that point. And so there's a lot of um, just sort of filler in this, as much as it may be pleasant as it goes along. But for me, most of this episode, is even the reunion of Glenn and Maggie is not particularly compelling or memorable. And this, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this season being over so that we can see what comes next if they're able to actually start afresh and new in in the you know the next season in the fall. So is this the first time we are actually agreeing on an episode this half season? Uh, something like that. Yeah, sounds like it. I don't know. Defiant, what do you think about all this? <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm with you on on Joe and his group. They they feel very much like placeholders, uh, and 
it's it's odd this week. It almost seems like they they're trying to set up some kind of internal moral conflict for Daryl as to whether he'll support Joe or he'll support Rick. But every every relationship we've seen th- that Daryl has with Joe so far, every interaction he's had with Joe so far has been very antagonistic. And there's really it, there, there's really no doubt in anyone's mind that uh, when it comes down to it, Daryl's going to take Rick's side to and you know uh, fight Joe and his group. So it it feels like they're setting up some kind of moral conflict for Daryl in that situation. That really, I'm not. I'm. I'm. You know, I I really don't see how Daryl's gonna have any uh, any compulsion towards going against Rick in that situation. Uh, I'm I'm with you though. It, a lot of it does feel like marking time. Uh, that being said, a lot of a lot of this half season has has focused more on the characters, which I think this this episode also does to a degree. Uh, which which I appreciate for a show that spent, you know, an entire season at a farm and all they did was look for Sophia and make Shane into an increasingly two-dimensional villain. I appreciate that they're focusing on fleshing out the characters this time around. Yeah, th- I think that is a good good point. I like the time we spent with Tara this week. The issues I was having with that set of characters actually in- involve uh, Abraham and Eugene a bit more. I like that Rosita got something to do. She feels like she has a little bit of a personality, uh, which is nice. Unlike the last time we, you know, she was in the episode. But um, I really, I'm not very intrigued with Eugene or Doctor Porter right now because he feels like so. It just feels very obvious that he doesn't actually know anything. Because I don't think we're going to find out any answers, and I don't think the show is going to have characters actually know any answers. So it feels more like he's just kind of, you know, messing with Abraham so that he has people to go around with. And, uh, and, and that, you know, Abraham is really foolish for not seeing through it. Well, Abraham isn't exactly the smartest cat on the block. I mean, that is clear. And I totally agree. I mean, I don't think that Eugene knows how to save the world. I don't think he knows how the zombie outbreak started. I don't think he knows jack shit. I think it's all like, he's a poser. He's a poser. He's a liar. Um, and I don't blame him because he has Abraham Rosita, you know, watching his back. Um, I mean, not to say that I would do it, but I'm just saying, like, it kind of makes sense. But um, I actually really do like the character of Eugene because it seems forced. Like, you know, when he starts talking about video games, like, apparently he's, like, this big gamer. and He starts, he starts talking about dinosaurs and whatnot. But I actually like the interaction and the chemistry between these three actors, like, the actors that play Eugene, Abraham, and Rosita. And I actually think that that the scenes between them are kind of funny. I mean, there's a lot of good humor, which is, I think, needed in what is usually a bleak, dark, depressing series. The sequence in the van, like, had me laughing out loud. I can't remember the last time I laughed so hard watching a scene in The Walking Dead. And it was such a simple scene. He just, you know, accidentally or on purpose hits Abraham over the head with the chair while Abraham's sleeping. And I like... I don't know. I like the interaction between these three three characters, and I actually think it's the best thing that the show has going for it right now. As far as Rosita goes, yeah, she has something to do this week. I'm not convinced that the actress is like the greatest actress in the world because she had trouble delivering like the simplest lines, which has me worried. But I really do like these three characters, and um, I think that's why I don't downright hate this episode. Like I do, I I, I dislike the decision to not really do much with Daryl, because like I said, he's one of my favorite characters. And that's my problem with this second half of season four is we get to see a lot of the characters that I personally don't care about. And the characters that I like are sitting in the background, sleeping and, or fighting over like a dead rabbit. But um, the thing about this episode is it does strike a nice balance in, in the sense that it has some much needed humor. We do get to stop and check in on most of our survivors and we also do get an effects-heavy scene involving a bunch of zombies trapped beneath the, the, the tunnel. And, you know, it wasn't like the most nail-biting, suspenseful, tension-filled scene that we've seen The Walking Dead do in the past. But it was still an interesting scene. I like the lighting, the cinematography, and I love the score, once again, by Bear McCreary, who I think is providing one of the best scores for any television show currently airing. So there's still a lot of good things to be found within this episode, but it all boils down once again to overall the whole entire season. And um, I'm just incredibly disappointed. I, I, we have one episode left to go, but I'm sorry, I'm going to go on record as to say that this is, I think, the least successful season of The Walking Dead so far. And for me, it's the most. So that's really interesting. 
Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. It is the most for me as well. But I, I actually have a lot of issues with that whole tunnel scene because it feels like they went for shock value first and story second because there is honestly no way that Maggie, Bob, and Sasha would have got through all those zombies, especially considering a ton of them are after the cave-in. Even if we assume that bullets from a handgun would actually cause that cave-in in the first place, there were a lot of zombies after that. And there is really no way that Maggie, Bob, and Sasha get out of that tunnel with that number of zombies, especially considering most of them are not buried in the cave-in. I, th- I think those zombies came after. I think like there was probably, like a, uh, I don't know, like a small amount of zombies, like maybe like 10 zombies in the tunnel. Like I don't know how many zombies were in the tunnel. They shot the ceiling, it caved down on the zombies and those other zombies we see perhaps came later on like i don't think they ran through no but but maggie bob and sasha were coming right out yeah they were still in the tunnel they're on the other side of the tunnel and that's you know that's that's why uh abraham and eugene and rosita you know eugene sees them coming out of the tunnel and is like oh look there's people and then they go in and they help them take care of the rest of the zombies so yeah there's some logistics there that are tricky See, but but well, they could always just have been running. Those, those that, walkers are slow. That's what I was confused about. Because the thing is, I thought they had maybe reached the end of the tunnel and were hanging out outside. I don't know what they were doing. And then Abraham and uh, Rosita and Eugene showed up. And then they heard the bullets. So they went back to the tunnel. But I never had the impression that they were in the tunnel when Eugene and Abraham first saw them. Like Maybe they did. Because we didn't actually see the shot. Like It cut to commercial. That's true, but uh, trying to think of what would have prompted them to turn around and stare and go, "Hey, look!" in the you know in the tunnel. I don't know. It's- well, it's because they heard the gunshots. Because remember, Glenn started firing. Well, and also you can possibly say that Eugene asked him that, "Are you Maggie?" Uh- your yeah. husband is currently in the tunnel, being incredibly stupid because he would not sacrifice a day to go around. Yeah, well, that's one more problem with season four of The Walking Dead. There's a lot of stuff that happens off camera that makes absolutely no sense. Like when Carol all of a sudden reappears on the train tracks behind the two little girls. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm not going to sit here and say that they didn't do anything good throughout the season. Because if you listen to our previous podcast, there's a lot of things I I praised. But there's just a lot of problems. And there's a lot of different problems. Like before, it was like the problem was, say, always the governor, you know. And we were always focused on like one or two specific problems. But this season, it's like... There's so many problems across the board, and it's just so odd. But I think what, also, what are these problems, though? We, we, I mean, I'm not going to mention every single problem. We've talked about this over the past like few podcasts. Everything from personally me not wanting to see a whole episode revolve around Mika and Lizzie to um, taking a character like Carol and doing such a good job in building her for like the first half of season four, and then she's like a cold-blooded killer. Like, I mean, I understand her reasoning for killing karen and the other man back in the prison because she didn't want them to turn and for the virus to spread and yada yada but i still find it hard to believe that she would straight up kill a little girl i mean they they could have just let her go um and i don't know there's just so many so many problems i mean again with these this this, these new characters introduced and hanging around joe um like i'm so sick and tired of seeing these like underwritten stupid characters um God, there's so many things. I mean, I'm not going to repeat everything I've said over the past few weeks. And again, like using um, or not using some of my favorite characters. Like last week, it was like Tyrese. I was like, why is Tyrese just sleeping throughout the whole entire episode? This week, it's like Daryl. Like, why is Daryl just fighting over like a rabbit throughout the whole entire episode? Like, and like, I, I agree. Like, I do think there's potential for this character, Joe. I don't think there's any hope for his henchman. Like, I think, you know, at the rate they are going like they are clearly going to die probably before season four even ends like those characters are not going to stick around very long um but yeah i don't know i don't know and that's and ricky i don't want you to repeat everything you've said for the past you know half season of the podcast but when you say that there are all these problems there are so many problems i don't see there being that many problems with this half of the season and with this perspective now where we are one episode away from the the end of the season we use when when you're saying all these different problems, I they just to me they sound like the same problem where you're having trouble believing some of the character development. I mean, it seems to me as much as you can be objective about something like this, which is such a clearly a subjective conversation, is that it seems very like there's so much more work at characterization this season than they've ever done in the course of the show. This seems like them 
doing way more characterization. If that's not enough, I understand. But to say that the show is not doing characterization or is doing, you know, just not the kind of characterization you want, that I, I get the first argument, the first complaint completely. I absolutely see where you're coming from. I do not see where you're coming from with the fact, this notion that they're not char- character developing. We, we get introduced to a bunch of new characters. We already know we're never going to get to know Jackson about these characters. Okay, whatever. They're just like going to be used for zombie bait, whatever. Joe's men. Okay. So far, even you yourself said that Joe has had nothing much to do so far. And he's been in there for three episodes. Okay, I know it's still early, but still, he hasn't had much to do except for, you know, again, like spouting out these uninspiring words of wisdom. Um, and then, like, even with Beth and Daryl, the episode I absolutely love, which you disliked, I think it was called Still, like a few weeks ago, where it just follows around Beth and Daryl for the whole entire episode. I like watching those two characters. I like those two characters. But even within that episode, we don't really learn anything about those two characters that we don't already know. And that's an episode that I absolutely love. That's probably my favorite episode of the season. And it still didn't give me anything I don't already know about these characters. I mean, we can talk about Lizzie and Nika again over and over. I've already clearly expressed that those characters were written and designed specifically to get us to that episode in which, yes, She's a killer. She's psychotic. That's all we know about her. And now Carol has to kill her. And that's it. It's the exact same way it played out in the comic book. And now in this episode, it ends where we get the introduction to this character, May, uh, Mary, and we finally get to the Terminus. And all I can think is that the Terminus is going to be the least interesting location it may ever visit. I'm not looking forward to season five. I can't help but think that she's some kind of cannibal because of yeah. the way, yeah, the way no. they just walk into the place and she's cooking and everything looks like a paradise and just like it was so like just a creepy introduction to her. I mean, maybe I'm watching too much Hannibal and I just want to state that I haven't read that far into the comic book. Okay. This is just what I'm speculating. Um, I, I have to wonder if maybe it's, it's the, uh, you, the plot points are more transparent to you because, because you've read some degree of the comic books. Like, I mean, for me, the, you know, Lizzie, Lizzie killing Mika in last week's episode came completely as a shock, but Reading the reading the speculation online subsequently, I realized that a lot of people likened her to a character from the comic books, and it it might be the same thing that you're experiencing with Terminus that you're likening it to some some idea in the comic book. Is it possible that because you've seen all these things played out in the comics that the show is boring to you because you can see you can you can figure out where everything is telegraphed to be going? No, well, I... he he just said he hasn't gotten to this part of the comics. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and um, look, the whole Lizzie Nika thing, we talked about this last week for an hour. We got into this huge argument. And again, I know I'm not alone. Like, I think the the person has summed up it best is Randy. Read his review on TV Overmind. I think it's like Randy best... Dankovich, by the way, for yeah, those sorry. who don't know. I'm sorry. Just accustomed to people knowing who he is because he writes for Sound and Sight. But he also writes for TV Overmind. His review is amazing. It's spot on. I mean, Depine, you said earlier on that we get introduced to these two girls and it, it shows us how these two ordinary people uh, would... Uh, be affected by growing up in a zombie apocalypse. And you, you use the word ordinary, and Chike used the exact same word last year, but we never got to see an ordinary Lizzie. Ever since we first got introduced to Lizzie, she was off the rocker. She was crazy and psychotic, and that's all we know about her character. So that's my problem with that character. Also, throughout all of season four, I talked about repetition and how they repeat motifs and themes and ideas and kills and, and, and character beats. And that's another problem we had with season four. Well, I mean... To sort of go back to your point about Daryl, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned that Daryl didn't do much this episode. I think that's very much in line with the character. Uh, you know, this is a guy who felt himself as who was just st- starting to relax at the prison. He encouraged Michonne to st- stick around there, then look for the governor. And he, in a way, feels responsible for what the governor eventually did to the prison for not being able to defend them. And the only person he managed to rescue in his mind is Beth. And just as he was starting to get comfortable and come to terms with what had happened at the prison, that maybe it wasn't his fault, you know, there Beth goes off getting abducted. And no matter how much he tried, he couldn't actually track down the car. So it's understandable at this point that he's a bit numb and he's sort of following around with Joe and company because he has nothing, you know, he has nothing, uh, no other real course of action at this point. But like, look at a character like Tara. Like, you want to know what, freaking annoys me about this season why is her sexuality such a thing that's her character trait she's the lesbian that is insulting like like has no one in the walking dead universe ever met someone who could be lesbian or gay or bi i mean every single episode maybe five times in this specific episode they clearly reference her as being the lesbian well I, i i didn't have a problem with that with the treatment of that in this episode because 
it just kind of comes up twice. It comes up when it seems like Jean is hitting on her and she, you know, tells him to back off, you know, in, in that way, which is very, one would expect would be effective. And then it, it comes up in conversation with uh, Abraham in a way that to me makes sense. Cause if you don't know, and I was actually watching this episode with my sister who doesn't watch the walking dead. So when she sees, when she sees Glenn and Tara wandering around and she knows that Glenn, all she knows is Glenn is looking for his wife. She's like, oh, God, are they seriously doing the puppy dog, you know, helping hit the guy that she likes find the woman he likes thing. And so like, she was really happy to, to find out that, um, that that Tara was a lesbian and that they were doing something slightly different yeah, but with male-female pairing. Does your sister watch it on a weekly basis? No, she doesn't watch okay. it on a weekly basis. There you go. But what I'm saying is... Yeah, and, and it's, not even, it's not even really her defining trait. Her defining trait is that is, is her overriding guilt. guilt over following the governor into attacking the prison. That That's the one thing that they've been harping on. Well, not harping on, but that's the one thing they've emphasized with regards to her character, is that she feels an extreme level of guilt for attacking the prison and what she now finds are, were good people, seeing her sister, her niece killed, her her uh, her lover. And so at this point, she's helping Glenn out of a sense of, you know, overriding guilt above everything else. I don't think her sexuality has been, you know, the sole and defining trait. But at the same point, I, at the same I, time, I also do understand that, uh, you know, even even now when people encounter a gay person, the fir- their first thought is you're gay, and that's like something they focus on for at least the first couple of minutes. So it's understandable that even in the zombie apocalypse, the way people interact with each other hasn't necessarily changed all that much. Doesn't necessarily make it compelling television. Like, yes, I understand that she's feeling guilt. I mean, that's clear as, as day. I mean, it's not like they have the character repeating or asking her the same question over and over. But I'm sorry, it, it's just some. It's one of those little things that bugs me and. Uh, it's just something I've seen over the past, like, I don't know how many episodes she's been. I mean, ever since the first episode, she's been the lesbian. And it's like, we get it. She's the lesbian. Move on already. It's just like Bob's the alcoholic. <laughs> like, and, and you talk about, like, the, my problems with, with building the characters. Like, going back to Carol, like, you know, if, if last week's episode worked for you, fine. But the, the biggest uh, problem I had with that episode when it ended, I love the performance from Melissa McBride. I thought she was fantastic in last week's episode, but I still had a hard time believing that she would shoot Lizzie. Like that was something that I found incredibly hard to swallow. And then, you know, like with Tyrese, like he hasn't had much to do in the last few episodes. Rick, Michonne, and Carl have disappeared. I've already mentioned my problem with Daryl in this specific episode. And then Beth disappeared like um but yeah like and glenn and maggie oh my god don't don't even get me started on glenn and maggie and these are two characters that i used to love and somehow in season four i now no longer care about these two characters another problem with season four you take two characters i love and now i no longer care about them yeah i mean if you're going to talk about characters defined by a single trait at this point that is glenn and maggie like they're they're literally divine you know defined by their undying love for each other and you know they're 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 basically the writer's otp at this point it feels like so i mean those are two characters that are defined by their singular trait but i don't think you can lay that same blame on tara if anything her guilt has been a more of a defining factor on the show than her sexuality has well, I think for us, maybe the viewers, but not for the characters that surround her. For the, for the characters that surround her, she's known as a lesbian. That's all they know about her. Well, not particularly. I mean, that would, you know, to to, to have something like that would mean that Glenn introduces Tara to Maggie. Oh, by the way, uh, Maggie, this is Tara. She likes girls. And that's about it. So I, I am not going to argue that uh, a lot of the peripheral characters over the course of the entire series have been often defined as one thing. For example... How long was T Dog the black character on oh, this God, show? Oh God, three seasons. Yeah, so this for me, this is actually a sign of improvement. The way that they are, are handling Tara, and the way that, as we've seen with Bob in this episode, and even in the previous episode, they've backed off of defining him solely out of uh, as the alcoholic. I don't think Bob is solely the alcoholic. I think the last episode that we spent spent time with him, we got to see a lot about his perspective on the world and how you know how he actually is feeling pretty good about his chances because they've they've actually been improving from his last two groups. I think, you know, we've really seen a significant improvement in their characterization of specifically Michonne, Carl, even Rick, I was enjoying more in this half of the season. Beth definitely is a lot better this half season. I really thought that everything with Carol worked uh, very well this week, and I 100% believe her killing Lizzie the way that she does, or shooting her, that I bought. Uh, even... Um, uh, 
Sasha is more interesting. Uh, not great, but more interesting. Uh, Glenn, less interesting. Maggie, less interesting. But Bob, way more interesting. Tara, way more interesting. So, like, for me, most of the characters that are they're in their core ensemble have become significantly more interesting in this half season. The characterization has been better. Um, and so so that's why I am I consider that a strength of this half season, even as I completely agree that Joe as a character is not interesting. There are a few others that, you know, maybe haven't been handled well. For me, the average is way up. And that's, I take that as a positive sign for the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm in full agreement on that count. Uh, a lot of the characters have become you know, it's it's much easier to invest in the fates of a lot of the characters because now we know more about them. And splitting them up, as the show has done in the second half season, has given them all individual goals, you know, which eventually did converge on Determinus, but it didn't happen right away. So it, it's, allowed, it's allowed the show to sort of focus on the characters and see how they really deal with the zombie apocalypse. And and I'm, I'm also in complete agreement that I can completely see why Carol would kill Lizzie. You know, this is the same woman who killed two infected people in cold blood and burned their bodies so that an infection would not spread to the rest of the prison. It's not unbelievable to imagine that she would, you know, kill basically a, a little girl who would turn out, who's clearly off a rocker and w- could possibly turn out to be a serial killer just to, you know, if, if only for her own self-preservation to make sure that Lizzie doesn't come back at, at night and, uh, you know, kill Carol and Tyrese to, so that, uh, you know, they join Mika, or she, or worse yet, she goes and kills Judith, which she was planning to do anyway. I, I completely bought that character beat from Carol. I have, I have mostly been on board with most of the character beats this half season, and I feel like in season five we're gonna have a better, uh, we're gonna have a better grip on whether these people we're seeing are acting out of character or in character based on what we have seen over the course of this season. Yeah, well, I guess with Carol, we're gonna have to agree to disagree. I just think that. You know, when she killed the two people at the prison, Karen and the other man, it was David. easy, David, it was easy for us to justify it because they were going to die regardless. And before they, and then after they died, they returned into walkers. And also, there was the, the potential that they could spread the disease and infect the rest of her friends, slash family, slash inmates, whatever, right? But with Lizzie, there was, I don't know, I just didn't feel the same kind of justification. Like, I couldn't walk away and be like, oh, yeah, she killed Lizzie because she was psychotic. Like, you know, that that doesn't give someone a reason to kill somebody. It's still cold-blooded murder. Like, at least in the prison, we you know, we can kind of say, yeah, she killed them, but they were going to die, and they were infected, and they would have infected everybody else, and she had to burn the bodies. Like, it was to protect everybody else. With Lizzie, she could have just easily told Therese, okay, let's go. Forget about Lizzie. We're not going to like hang out, hang out with her anymore, and let her go her own way. Because how is that? Cold- how is that better than like shooting her in the head, leaving her to fend for herself with no weapons in the middle of? I'm know, sorry, that's I'm a dead. death sentence. Yeah, that, that, that is a that is a slow, prolonged death sentence. That okay, is well, even worse than shooting her in the head. Maybe you guys can commit murder. I can't. I could surely never kill a little girl even if she was psychotic even if i wasn't a zombie apocalypse sorry guys can't so, um, so you can't kill her but you'll but you'll allow her to you know uh, s- uh sit in the middle of a forest with no weapons to fend for herself to inevitably be torn apart by walkers whom you know she clearly doesn't even see that, as a threat that, that, that's not what i said guys i said i wouldn't kill her i wouldn't leave her in the middle of train tracks tied up and letting zombies eat her i would just leave her at the house leave overnight while she's sleeping and just let her survive herself and fend for herself and give her a chance to live her life. I wouldn't kill her. I'm not a cold-blooded murderer. Sorry. Well, yeah, and it's the difference between would you or do you believe that somebody else would? Well, and I don't, and that's the thing, I don't want to believe that Carol would because I like Carol so much in the first half of the season, which is why I'm disappointed with that decision because now she's a cold-blooded murderer. That's my problem with Carol right now. Okay, Uh, okay. So the other thing I was going to say, yeah, and then to end it with the Terminus, with Crazy Mary, Hannibal Cannibal, like, Hannibal's cousin, like, I'm sure that woman is eating people. I wouldn't be surprised if she's cooking Beth at the end of the episode, because that whole sequence, maybe I just watched too many horror movies, but, like, if that's what's going to happen in season five, where they're going to be stuck at the Terminus, and some lady named Crazy Mary is going to, like, eat these people, I'm not interested. We already have zombies eating people. I don't need cannibals in the show. Well, it's just, it's, I mean, for me, that's immediately the first thing I thought of as well. Especially she says, I'll get you or put you on a plate or something like that. You know, it's it's very, it feels like a very self-aware bit of dialogue there. Uh, but yeah, as soon as they get to Terminus, it's too clean, it's too open, it's too bright. It 
there there's way too much space and nowhere near enough people a sanctuary for all those who arrive survive there should be more than one person there and there should probably be a lock on the front just or something some sort of a complicated door so that a bunch of walkers can't get in if the walkers are staying aware there's a reason it's too it's Again, it's too clean, too tidy, too bright, and too deserted for it to be anything other than, you know, what makes sense to us right now, Ricky, of, of her, you know, luring people there with promises of, of sanctuary and then killing them and frying them up or grilling them up. Uh, so, And the fact that the, the fact that nobody in the group seems to think that some, the, the fact that they seem happy is was a bit you know odd to me if this continues into season five i would be surprised and dismayed because they should all immediately flag to there's too much food and there are not enough people something is wrong well there have to be more people because someone had to have put up all those signs which i don't think mary herself would have been capable of doing i mean literally everyone stumbled onto several terminus signs so i think there are more people if there are more people, we needed to see any sign of there being more people. And we don't when there's there. She's the only person there. We don't hear other people. We don't see stuff belonging to other people. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, then again, we, we only did get a glimpse of it. I think I'm, I'd be willing to give the show a little leeway, maybe two, three episodes in. And if Mary's the only person we meet and we're in the second episode of season five, then I would say that they they need to do more but as of now we've only seen it for about you know two minutes it's understandable the the show the writing on the show has been sloppy so it's understandable that they would you know combine that with the fact that we only got a brief shot of terminus the unlocked doors are a concern but i think seeing only one person so far does fit with what we know about this show I don't have a problem with the unlocked doors. Are you a fisherman? Are you a hunter? I think Mary's maybe a fisherman. Do you lure or do you stalk? (laughs) (laughs) I think she's clearly inviting people in and making them feel comfortable because she's a crazy old lady and that's probably how she gets to kill people. Maybe she sits them down for dinner. They eat human flesh and don't know they're eating human flesh and then she poisons them and they fall asleep and then she cooks them. (laughs) That's what's going to happen in season five. And, and now at the same time, I don't think, I, I get a feeling that the group that took Beth is different from the Terminus group because there's no reason for anyone at Terminus to actually abduct anybody, considering that yeah. tons of people are showing up at their doorstep anyway. That was actually one of the other problems I had with this episode. One of the few problems, uh, you know, that one of the few things that were sort of memorable to me about this episode, it was for me a rather forgettable episode, but uh, the, the fact that we don't see Beth at all, I think it, for me was somewhat of a problem considering how we left her. We left her on a cliffhanger, basically. And, you know, us not going back to uh, t- to Therese and to Carol, given how we left them, that works for me. That makes sense because they're just they're on their way and they'll get to Terminus or wherever they're going. You know, when we next check in with them with the fact that we get Daryl this week, but we don't get any uh, any anything on Beth was was frustrating and can i just point out the fact that maggie has not once mentioned beth since they left the prison like yeah, she's yeah. completely uninterested in her own sister i think i mentioned that like two or three weeks ago and katie and i got into a huge argument over it, and i totally agree once again she has no she she does not mention once her sister and that's an, one more reason why i'm completely annoyed with the maggie glenn um relationship i mean i, yeah. I just really do not like the character of maggie at this point um, so yeah, but I, you know, one thing I do like about this episode is, and it's going to sound silly, but I like how we understand how everyone is so close to each other. Like, you know what I mean? Like when, uh, Daryl's walking along the train tracks and he finds the candy bar wrapper that Michonne drops earlier, uh, next to the train tracks. Right. Like, so first of all, he's a tracker. So right away he clues into the fact that he's heading in the same direction as Michonne and whoever she's tagging along with. Right. Or at least Carl. Well, well, actually, I didn't get that sense at all. I don't know that he even saw it. Maybe yeah, he did. He did. But we, but it, I, that felt more like the camera lingering on it than that being of significance to Daryl. No, no, Dude, I, I that think, was the I think foreshadowing that, for the benefit of the audience. No, I think there's a clear shot of his reaction staring down at the candy bar wrapper, and I think because he's a tracker and he's accustomed to looking on the ground and searching for clues and whatnot, I think that he clearly knows that they are headed in the direction of Michelle and Carl. Uh, But regardless, it does let us, the viewers, know how close they are within distance to Rick, Michonne, and Carl. And also, like in last week's episode, when we have the fire burning in the background, 
it does allow viewers to know that that is the cottage that Beth and Daryl set on fire with their moonshine and matchsticks. And you know what I mean? So like, and then of course there's the graffiti on the wall that Maggie leaves behind to let Glenn know where she's headed. So there's all these little clues in and around the train tracks that let, that not only let the characters know where everybody else is, but to let viewers know just how close they are. Because in, many, many times on our Walking Dead podcast in the past, we talked about the geography of the show and how we were just never clear as to how far, say, Woodbury was to the prison and so on and so forth. But in this season, they actually seem to be doing a good job with the geography of these locales. And the timing, too. I was specifically noting uh, as I watched that the red blood from the walker was now very dried and, and dark brown. And, and so the, the little touches like that, I, you know, I was actually, you know, just I'm right there with you, Ricky, on that, that being a strength of this episode and the last couple really giving us a sense of where everyone is. And uh, I, I would look forward to more of that, hopefully. I'm hoping we get more of that as the show moves forward. I still want to know what's going on in the rest of the world or if there's just like a zoned off area of the American Southeast that is just like overrun with zombies and the rest of the uh, of the United States is completely fine. Hmm. Well, I think I, I wonder if they'll ever let Abraham and Eugene and Rosita get to D.C. because that would be a way to expand out on what's happening outside of what seems like the immediate Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. But I, I, but I'm with you that Eugene, you know, probably doesn't know anything about the about the uh, what caused the zombie apocalypse, and so I doubt that they'll ever actually get to DC at any point. Abraham's probably going to give up the mission once he finds out, and he's going to stick with uh, Glenn and Rick and company. And that's also another point. Um, you know, we know Eugene. Eugene keeps clamoring that he knows about the cure, but at no point did Glenn. Uh, you know, Glenn was there at the CDC with Rick and uh, with Rick and the group when the guy said that there is no cure for it. So why isn't he speaking up at any point about Eugene's lies? Well, see, the thing is, I don't think they've actually mentioned cure. I think they just said save the world and he knows how it started. But I don't think Eugene has actually spoken much about it. It's always like Abraham saying, oh, Eugene's going to save the world. Eugene knows how it started. And then everyone else is like, yeah, Eugene knows this. But Eugene kind of just like nods his head. He's not really giving out much information. Um, I guess we can question why they aren't asking him more information. That's something that occurred to me while watching the episode. I'm like, if I met the guy that claims he can save the world, the first question I'm going to ask him is how, not like, where's Maggie? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's kind of weird. But yeah, clearly he's lying about it. I I don't buy it. I don't believe it. And I'm actually, I'm actually kind of curious to go and finish reading the comic books, but I don't think I have it in me. Like, I think I'm just going to get frustrated. And like the thing about the comic books is like the show, it's incredibly bleak and depressing and morbid and like more so than the actual TV show. And um, I, I don't, I don't even know if I want to know at this point what's going to happen. I'm like, I'm kind of curious, like even with the walking dead, like I, I, I mentioned this week and last week that I don't think I'm going to come back next year and review the show based on how it's going to end. Because like, I really don't think this crazy Mary storyline is going to go anywhere interesting. And, um, but that's more of uh, me putting in my time and effort into recording podcasts and writing reviews. And I'm just really busy these days. But it also has to do with the fact that on Sunday, there's just so many great shows airing right now also, right? But yet, I won't lie, I'm still going to be curious to know where the show's headed because I invested four years of my time watching this show. So that's why I'm kind of conflicted right now. I guess I want to know what's going to happen and I might watch the show, but I'm not sure if I'm willing to put in the work. Yeah, I hear where you're coming from with that. Writing a review for a TV show, aside from putting putting together a podcast, but even just you know writing review... Uh, without doing or one or the other without doing both it really affects the way that you view it and uh, if if for those who haven't had that experience there's it's it completely changes it, it completely you can appreciate a show a lot more when you're not sitting there coming up with 700 to a thousand words each week really analyzing every detail and so it's very likely that if you stop reviewing the show and you stop doing the podcast but you keep watching it you may like the show quite a bit more and that's true because the thing is okay say i read a review and it takes me about an hour an hour and 15 minutes to write and proofread and whatever and put up the pictures and put up the posts let's say even an, an hour is an hour and a half an hour of watching a show an hour of recording the podcast an hour of scrubbing through the podcast and editing the podcast inserting clips and, and putting it into the website uh, you know, uh, basically, I'm spending about four and a half, five hours of my week on The Walking Dead. And so that's why 
for me, maybe I just demand more when watching a series on a weekly basis like The Walking Dead because I put so much work into it. Yep. And that's something that can be, you know, it's important to keep in mind uh, for when you're thinking about how you're reacting to a show versus how other people may be reacting to it. It's it's easy to get into TV critic bubble land where you're having a different perspective on it than, than maybe other people do. Well, aside from our perspective on, on the show as, as critics and as podcasters and as reviewers and as all of those things, uh, I feel like we may have strayed away from the course. And the reason for that being, I, I don't know how much more we have to say about what is a, a pretty straightforward episode. Do we have any other thoughts on, on us? Well, uh, where uh, you know, let's just briefly talk about the Terminus storyline. I know you guys both have your theories about it being cannibals, and both of you, uh, you know, are not fond of that idea, and, and neither am I, if if you're going to be honest. But where would you like to see the Terminus storyline go, ideally? Well, I mean, to me, it seems uh, pretty straightforward that if if it is something like that, where it's crazy person, crazy people, uh, I don't know why they wouldn't just kill Crazy Mary and then have this lovely place to live, but then you end up in the prison Mark II. So uh, I just uh, am hoping, you know, they built a set, right? It looks like they built a set and spent a bunch of money and time and energy in building a set, which means that we'll probably spend some time there, you know, from an exterior perspective, uh, thinking about it, for, again, from a TV critic perspective. But honestly, I'm not very interested in it as a location. I'm much more interested in it as a destination as a you know the way that it'll function to get our group back together and then i'm all for having them back out on the road yeah that's the thing i think we're going to spend like a whole half season if not season at the terminus and that's what worries me um you know i was reading on on online last night it was on tumblr and i don't know if this was like during the talking dead or during the walking dead i don't know but they did a poll after the episode and 89 percent of viewers said that they think Season five will be the least interesting season and the Terminus will be the least interesting location they ever visit. 89% of which a lot of them were comic book readers too. So clearly maybe those comic book readers know that this isn't the most interesting part of the storyline. I don't know. I'm not even sure if this comes from a comic book at this point. I'm so confused. Going back to what the pine asked, I mean, you want to know what I want or would want or would write. And I mean, I don't know what their budget's like, but I would be like, okay, Terminus, like living in Montreal Terminus, I usually think of train station. I'm like, what if they ended up at a train station and it was like a train robbery and somehow they got the train to work and they can take the train and travel somewhere. I don't know. Something else aside from like a Woodbury like location, which is almost no different than Herschel's farm, except for the fact that it doesn't actually have livestock. <laughs> like I was just like three seasons in a row guys, seriously. Well, the yeah. other thing that I'll say about this finale, though, with where we're headed this in this next episode, let us not forget this uh, finale is going to be written, written or was written by Scott Gimple and Angela Kang. Angela Kang, whose most recent episode was still the episode that mm -hmm. you really enjoyed with Beth and uh, Daryl. But also it's being directed by Michelle McLaren. And so that has me very optimistic that there's at, le at the very least it'll be directed very well. And hopefully that means that they brought her in because there's going to be some action. Yeah, but you know what's funny is like three or four weeks ago, I mentioned on our podcast that I was really excited for the last two episodes because it would be directed by Michelle McLaren and David Slade. And that um, isn't actually David true. David Slade. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because that was what was written on Wikipedia. And then they changed it because this episode was clearly not directed by him. This episode was directed by Greg Nicotero. And he even like um, had the wrong credits for the previous episode, the one that you really like, Lizzie Mika. Um, so anyways, I said like back three, four weeks ago, that I was really excited based on who was directing and writing the episodes. I do agree. It's, um, it's, I mean, even though I didn't like last week's episode, it had everyone divided and everybody arguing. And it was one of our most entertaining podcasts, you know, according to the feedback we got. Right. So, I mean, that was Scott M. Gimbel that wrote it. He always writes big episodes. Angela Kang wrote my favorite episode of the, the season and Michelle um, McLaren is just a fantastic director. She directed some of the best Breaking Bad episodes, for example. So, yeah, I mean, clearly I'm going to sit down and watch the episode next week, and I'm going to go in with high hopes. Well, what, what do you uh, have hopes for, or um, uh, what, are, what are your expectations for, for this finale that we have coming up next week? Uh, well, uh, I hope, you know, even, even though I know exactly how it's going to go, I'm still hopeful to see the showdown between Joe and Rick. Uh, 
because even though we know the final spot, I'd, I'd still like to see how it shakes out. I'd like to see, and I'd like to see who actually took Beth, and I'd like it to be a group different from Terminus. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think that actually is just about it. I'd also like to see maybe a, a, maybe Michonne, Carol, and and Daryl just get together and and really show how useless the rest of the group is in terms of fighting zombies. But mostly, uh, you know, I, I, I like that they've explored the season by having the characters split up. But now that we know more about each character, I'm interested to see how they interact with each other once they get back together again. Especially considering how many of them thought that they'd lost uh, the rest of the group. And yeah. for Terminus, I'm, I'm hoping that we see something a little more along the lines of a power struggle, perhaps. So that it doesn't feel like a rehash of the Governor's story. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I'm I'm really hoping that there isn't it isn't something eye-rollingly boring, but I'm not really keeping my hopes up for that. Well, that's the thing. If it's a pit stop, then it's a pit stop, and that's fine. But if it's a whole half season or season, that's going to be incredibly frustrating. And like like the thing is, I talk about over and over about how they sort of like repeat character beats and and uh, ideas throughout all of season four. Like even with Daryl, like I mean, I remember when Daryl went through this little crisis where he wasn't sure if he if he should stay with the group or if he should go with merle and now it just kind of feels like i don't feel like he wants to belong to joe's group but i don't want i don't i hope to god they don't do some kind of like character storyline where he spends like three or four episodes trying to figure it figure out if he should stay with joe's group because it's survival of the fittest and they are more likely to survive or if he's going to go with his friends like i hope to god we do not see that um, as far as Beth goes, like I would, I was loving Beth, and then she got kidnapped. And I think like two podcasts ago, I I think I I, I was like you, the pine. I speculated that whoever took her is actually a good person because at the funeral home, I think she clearly states that this person has to be a good person because he's taking care of the corpses and he shows respect to the dead people and whatever whatnot. So I do think that whoever took her was trying to save her life, but I don't know if we're going to see Beth next week because of that. Well, and uh, I'm now I'm in crazy theory land, and uh, I, I like, yeah. Well, I, or just like you know, pipe dream land. The I, I was specifically enjoyed, or I, w- I was specifically noting that uh, run over the train track penny that we see this week. Which uh, when the fact that they're on the train track, the fact that it was it looked like it was new. It didn't look like it had been tarnished over time. Uh, and when you say you know, terminus trains. Maybe they're they, they're at a train station. There's a train going. What if they all show up at terminus and they they wind up on the train and they take the train to DC? Season five is you know complete reboot. Same characters. They all get on the train. Beth shows up somehow, and their season five is not terminus. They just kill Crazy Mary. Denise Crosby's dead. They take some of the plants and then they just completely ride the train out, the hell out of Dodge. I would actually not be averse to to a reboot, uh, whether they take the train or whether we just leave all the characters in in Terminus and start with the whole fresh bunch of characters in season five. Mm. Uh, I, I think I think you're onto something with the idea of a reboot, just something to massively shake the show up that has some irreparable consequences. Yeah, uh, I don't really know what they can do to be honest. I think the problem is is that they're adapting this from a comic book, so they're not going to like venture too far away from the actual source material. Like they're trying to do a little bit of both. They're trying to stay faithful to the comic book and yet add in their own little twist and add in new characters and new kind of storylines and change things just a little bit to surprise comic book readers. But I think maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's because they are stuck with the template from the comic book and. I don't. I don't see us getting any of our like wishes anytime yeah. soon. I think a left turn, a, a hard left, would be a good thing for the show right about now. Well, and that, that is the reason why I am excited for the spinoff show. Like I remember the last time we talked about this, I think Simon Howell was co-hosting. I'm not entirely sure, but anyways, we talked about this on the podcast, and I was talking about how the reason why I was excited for a spinoff show is because they would have freedom to just kind of write whatever kind of stories they want to write, and those writers are probably a lot more talented than Robert Kirkman, no offense. And also to not be tied down to the source material, to know that if they're doing something wrong or something's not working, they can move away and like press the reboot button or just kind of like forget about it or whatever. You know what I mean? 
uh, because if they have the same kind of cinematography, the same kind of effects and and special effects and and Greg guys like Greg Nicotero working on it and the same kind of directors and yada yada, there's no reason why the spinoff show can't be the show that we are that we all have wanted to see The Walking Dead be. And and it actually might work against The Walking Dead. Like they might create a spinoff show that's going to be so bloody good that people are going to start watching the spinoff show and have less and less interest in The Walking Dead unless they somehow tied them up on a regular basis. Well, that's sort of like what happened with the Vampire Diaries in the originals, I guess, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, there's plenty of space in the 52-week year to, to go back and forth between Walking Dead and then the spinoff. So half season of each with some time in between. We'll see what AMC does with it. But... Jo- joke's on Ricky, because the spinoff's going to be focused on Crazy Mary. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Um, you know what? I am shocked that a network like HBO hasn't tried to launch their own zombie TV show. They're coming. You think? Yeah, are they? There's a zombie procedural headed our way next year about a medical examiner. Yeah, yeah, who who eats the brains of the victims to find and figures out who killed them. I'm actually interested in that because it's Rob Thomas. Wait, Mm -hmm. wait, 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 wait. Is it a zombie show? Is just about a man eating brains? No, no, it's a zombie show. a female medical examiner who needs to eat brains because uh, she's a zombie. And when she eats the brains of the of the people who come into the morgue, she gets their memories and then she crime solves. That sounds stupid. But it is from <laughs> yeah, uh, it is, Rob Thomas of Veronica Mars fame. And it, and it is based on a pre-existing comic book. And uh, and it is on the CW, which actually has a pretty good track record with with shows, be- better than most people give it credit for. So so there there's a, there's a possibility of that actually being good. Okay, which comic book? I believe it's called I Zombie. Okay, because well, I know the show it's is called I Zombie, so I I think the comic book is also called that. Because there's a comic book called Chew, which is brilliant about this guy who is a detective and he solves crimes with his hyper sense of uh, taste and smell mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, anyhow, but no, but I mean, okay, so CW And there's, there's Resurrection, and that's not going to be on Fox, by the way, I believe. And then there's Resurrection on ABC, which is, of course, from the same source material as I, They Revenant. Those are zombie-ish movie, shows as well. Oh, so they're going to adapt it to uh, American TV? They already TV. have. They already have. They, they were apparently um, produced at roughly the same time from okay. both different takes on a similar concept. Yeah, I, I believe they, they both have confusing. the same source material, right? Or something like that, yes. Yeah. Huh. So so there are more zombie shows already on TV and I'm more headed our way. Okay. It sounds like uh, we are out of, when we when we're discussing other shows, it's time to stop talking about The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. So So, uh, so basically ten minutes into the podcast. Well, something like that. So thank you, Defiant, so much for coming on the podcast. Where can our listeners find your your work online? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Dean Epe, and you can find me at Sound On Sight, mostly in the TV section, where I currently review The Vampire Diaries, Supernatural, uh, Helix, and Belief. Yep, just a few shows there. Ricky, where can our, our, our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Sound On Sight. Visit our webpage uh, in which we do have Various podcasts dedicated to specific shows, including True Detective, Hannibal, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Dates Will Tell, sort of, um, and uh, possibly a few more coming up. And I can guarantee you we're far more positive on those podcasts than on the Walking Dead podcast. So, uh, yeah, take a listen. Yeah, we'll see what happens with when Game of Thrones starts back up starts back up uh hopefully we'll be positive hopefully it'll be a great season um you can also find me on twitter at the televerse you can listen to me talking about the rest of tv this week you can listen to me talk a hell of a lot about the good wife uh this week as well as ricky's gonna talk some girls with us and that that uh, weekly podcast comes out on tuesdays and uh covers the week's tv you can also find my reviews of Red Road, Parenthood, Grimm, and uh, pretty soon coming up here, I'm very excited for season two of Orphan Black, and that'll all be at soundonsite.org. So drop us a line on Twitter, follow uh, the goings on at Sound On Sight TV. We would love to hear from you guys, so let us know what you're thinking about The Walking Dead right now. But for now, we're going to we're gonna finish up our week. We'll be back next week to talk about the finale, uh, apparently titled A, uh, and that's going to be written by Scott M. Gimple and Angela Kang and directed by Michelle McLaren. It should be interesting to see what... Uh, where we leave things off and if, if anything is able to to change our, our thoughts on this season and uh, our hopes for season five. But until then, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week.
not so nervous, be not so frail. Someone watches you, you will not fail. Be not so nervous, be not so frail. Be not so nervous, be not so frail. Be not so sorry for what you've done. You must forget them now, it's done. When you wake up, you'll find that you can run. Be not so sorry for what you've done. Be not so sorry for what you've done. Someone watches you.